0: what's up guys welcome back to clear the cash i'm your host nate list you can find me on twitter at an outrage jew and of course the main reason you guys come to the show mr jesse bach You can find him on Twitter at planet underscore fatness. Now, before Jesse says a word, I just want you guys to close your eyes, assuming you're not in the driver's seat of a vehicle that's in drive on the freeway. And when you hear Jesse's voice, I want you to acknowledge through your brain, sonically absorb the fact that he sounds infinitely better on this episode than any episode prior to it. We've done some rework on his microphone settings, so I'd like to reintroduce for the first time uh, Jesse Bach. Jesse, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing well. Um, I hope you guys can actually hear me now. If you were listening at max um, max volume the past however many episodes we've done, you'll probably want to turn that like 30, maybe even 25% of that just because... Um, we actually figured out how my mic should work or what settings need to be turned on. So, uh, with that, I am now doing, I'm now doing better.
0: <laughs> this, this really is your Cinderella on her way to the ball moment. Jesse, you have, you have blossomed and here we are. I, I, this may, I want to cry, but as I've said on other episodes, I've glued my tear duct shut. No tears will fall from this face. I just repress all my anger and emotion till that one day when I just, ugh, just I blow up on somebody or something, probably on, you know a long flight home from the East Coast. <laughs> when i ask for a particular beverage or they say they're out of peanuts and i just <laughs> I was, and that's the moment i was just... going to say
1: you were, you were going to cause i was going to say you're like uh like a flood of tears at your daughter's graduation or something but you you go ahead with peanuts oh. on an
0: airplane <laughs> yeah there's no... no 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 it's more likely Gosh that it'll happen dude. on the airplane you know as i'm complaining that we're not flying fast enough why are the clouds <laughs> moving faster all these things i'm finding reasons to complain um it's what it's what i do (laughs) it's what our people have done for thousands of years (laughs) i mean it just is what it is so you know a a lot of people think that there is downtime in the hobby is that a true statement if somebody was to say that to you today and say there's no news nothing's happening out there would that be a factual statement
1: hell no um, oh. This week was probably one of the busier news weeks that we've had since the hobby got big again. Um, it seems like it almost seems like every week has a bigger news week, especially with, with certain companies more than others um, over the last like couple of months or so. So, um, PSA made some pretty big headlines this week. Um, they bought—I uh, don't know how many how many of our listeners are, are big video game heads or video game collectors. Um, PSA actually bought a video game grading Goliath, um, known as, uh, uh, called Wada Cards or, uh, Wada Games. I'm sorry. Um, it's a, it's, they're a very well-known, um, probably the most well-known video game grading company, believe it or not, Nate, that is a thing grading video games. Um, and you won't believe how much some of these games actually go for, um, I heard that some, uh, you, like an original copy of Zelda that was graded, went for like eight hundred and fifty k or something, something crazy. Um, so that's it's honestly a really big deal, just because PSA has, for the most part, been known for only cards. So the fact that they're getting into the video game space and seeing how maybe they can take take some tips from from WADA actually into their own uh, grading and their own technology and um, maybe kind of take some of their tips in, into like updating their label or making sure that their label is tamper proof um, it should be it should be a pretty interesting marriage between the two um, so that that was that was honestly a, a fairly big deal and probably um, not many people in the hobby have even been talking about the implications of this type of acquisition
0: so that Zelda game that you referred to ended up selling for $870,000, which is shocking, but actually that was recently broken here. I think over the last week, th- this is funny that this topic is coming up because a guy that, a friend of mine mentioned, he goes, did you hear about this Super Mario 64 sale, this video game that's sold? And I go, what? And he told me the price and I go, get the fuck out of here. Are you serious? He goes, it sold for $1.56 million in wow. a heritage auction. $1.56 million. Now we've we all I had this game in the box. And if somebody had told me 25 years ago, 30 roughly 30 years, yeah, 25-ish years ago, hey, you bought that for $29.99. Now, if if you don't open it, if you just leave it in the box, there's a chance that that's going to be worth hundreds of thousands of dollars. I would have thrown my three years of childhood and those experiences in the trash to just sit on the investment. Because, again, that's what our people do, Jesse, long term. But nobody knew. We didn't know. And now we're seeing video games doing this. And Does it shock you?
1: Um one over a million dollars for listen I love video games as a kid even even now if someone if I go to someone's house or whatever there's a there's a party going on and Madden's on I'm going to want to play um that's still a lot of money for 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 a video game um but I'm not in that space I can't really comment too much but in in my opinion that's more than a, a, Jordan, a Michael Jordan PMG green which is like the most sought after in in my opinion, the most sought after Jordan of all time, and there's never going to be a more sought after Jordan after, um, after that. So um, that's quite a bit of money, but I am not in the video game collecting space. Honestly, who the hell knows? Maybe that maybe that changes. Maybe um, I see a, a, a mint or gem mint uh, condition Madden 2005 or, or whatever year Ray Lewis was on the cover, because that's this that's the first year I really started getting into Madden. Um, Maybe, maybe that'll change. Maybe I'll just have, like, a copy or two just for, just for like, my own, like, keepsake. Um, looking at it as, a, as an investment or not, whatever. Just just to kind of have. Um, but that's... I think PSA knows what they're doing in terms of um, not only applying this to, to video games, but potentially applying it to cards themselves. Just because WADA had a pretty... Um, they had a pretty... Um, uh, nuanced label like they 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 did they they did a lot of things well to kind of keep their label tamper proof um in terms of like their actually their grading label so uh, if if PSA kind of you know listens to what they have to say um this honestly could could help PSA in the long term with with maybe um making sure that that their all their labels are legitimate and uh, tamper proof
0: so Look, I got to go dig back through all my old games. I think I have some, but I guarantee they're crushed. They're not in the box. They're certainly not in the plastic wrap. I mean, you imagine how fast as a child it got ripped out of there and the box was shredded into a thousand pieces. And I'm sure my mom picked it up for me because I was just, you know, I was balls deep, for lack of better terms, in my N64 (laughs) playing Wave Race in Mario Kart. And all the other games, just a blur. It's five years. I said three, I was lying. It was five. It might've been eight. I don't know. I didn't have a lot of friends, Jesse. So (laughs) in other news, Joe Orlando. Now this is a guy that I had tweeted at DM'd a multitude of times to an absolute brick wall of response. Now my belief was that he just doesn't check social media. There's no way he was ignoring every message I ever sent him. Every email, Every text when I would stand out in front of his house with a boom box, that was hard to ignore, but he did. So no response from him, but he has stepped down from his position. Will you explain to people what this means and who Joe Orlando was?
1: So Joe Orlando was the CEO of PSA. He's been the CEO of PSA for the last 22 years. Um, or he's been with the company at least for 22 years, but he's been the CEO for, uh, for a while. Um, he he got into the industry just like most other probably big ex- executives in PSA Bgs or card companies um, was that he he was a true collector at heart um, and he uh, like under his reign I guess uh, for for the lack of a better term um, he put PSA to, to prominence just because I, I don't know if we've mentioned this on an, on a previous show but for years a bgs 9.5 was selling at a premium to the psa 10 believe it or not um for years until maybe the last five to seven years where it's kind of flip-flopped and then psa psa tens were selling to a small premium to bgs 9.5 and then we have what we have today um he did um i mean i've only been in the hobby for you know a year year and a half uh year and a half now so I can't comment too much about like what his whole legacy looks like, but he, I don't think he did too many things wrong with the company. If, if they are where they are right now, if, if somebody like Nat Turner and his group is purchasing the company outright, um, you know, like, like it, it, it wants like a, like a Titan, you know, mastermind purchases your company for almost a billion dollars. You're, you're doing something right. Um, so, I Nate, I don't know if he was intentionally ignoring you. Um, I, I, I think he's just dealt with so much. <laughs> he's dealt with so much negativity. Um, just because if you're the CEO of a grading company these days, you're gonna you're gonna get shit on left and right every single day. Wow,
0: <laughs> That's, that sounds like Odell Beckham's like dream life.
1: <laughs> just yeah, he'll encourage it. Um, so right as of as of right now, I don't know how uh how permanent this is going to be, but Nat Turner is stepping in as CEO. Um, Nat Turner is a very busy man. Uh, I know cards are a big part of his life and a big part of his happiness, livelihood, whatever. Um, so I, I don't know if this is a permanent solution because being a CEO is uh, that kind of cons- that consumes your life more than anything else well. Um, that's a full-time job on its own. So I don't know if they're going to be looking to promote within the company um, somebody to, to be a permanent CEO or if they're looking um, outside. But, uh, I mean, the implication, I, like, I don't know. It, it already seems like Nat Turner's been, like, at the head of things. Like, just from what everybody in the hobby, like, how everybody in the hobby looks at Nat with his status at PSA, like it's almost like he's been CEO for a while. Uh, no offense to Joe Orlando. Um, So I, I don't know how, how much exactly is going to change, but, um, but yeah, I mean, uh, CEO or uh, uh, PSA is, is going places for sure. And I, I don't know exactly what, what happened with like the fallout of Joe Orlando leaving. I don't know if it was like a difference of opinion between him and the new group, uh, like, like, um, Uh, collector's holdings i i don't i don't know exactly what happened there um it's unfortunate for him to be able to 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 leave the company after you know 20 plus years there but um i mean we'll see there's only like we said psa is buying video game grading companies now so it it sounds like things are looking up for psa right now
0: it's funny uh you know i thought that it was going to be the airplane peanuts that sent me over the edge. But as I think about it more, it might be that Joe Orlando never got back to me. I'll validate it. I will get on Twitter and screenshot my DMs. It, the first one just says, sup, boo? Question mark. And then like, hey, Joe, how's it going? And then, huh, must be busy, Joe. What's up? Then it's like six months later. It's like, did you say something? Question mark. And then like, it just goes It's like 50 messages, like endlessly, um, and emails and smoke signals. So he's obviously busy. Um, it's fine. Maybe now, maybe this might be our shot to get him on the show. now that he's got all this free time and we can just ask him, you know, we can grill him like, Hey, why'd you step down? So Jesse, uh, talk to me about this Babe Ruth, because you're talking about perspective being given by memory lane auctions what's the story here
1: yes memory lane had an um, a very big auction that ended I believe on MLB all-star game weekend um, the weekend of July 10th 11th um, this card uh, the the biggest sale I, I all right so before I even go into this sale they had countless uh, very high grade uh, rare mickey mantle cards babe ruth cards what like uh, very you know vintage baseball um i can't imagine how much money they raked in through the auctions over over the whole weekend but this 1933 gaudy uh babe ruth i believe it was the yellow version of the card um it was graded a psa 9 pop 1 Sold for over a little bit over four point two million dollars. Uh, needless to say, that was the highest uh, s- priced sold card in in the in the auction. Um, what's crazy is the owner of this card, I believe, was a doctor, um, and he purchased the card back in the mid nineties for a little less than twenty thousand dollars. And it sold for four point two million. So um, the the unfortunately the gentleman passed away. Um, so I believe you know a lot of a lot or all of his collection was was sold via Memory Lane. Um, I, now I'm not saying your 2018 or 2019 Prism Bulbul Base PSA 10 is going to be worth five million dollars one day unless if unless if we experience a a, a Nigerian level of inflation in the united states where like four million dollars is equivalent to like what one dollar is um that's not going to happen but we should take into perspective maybe what has the ceiling for maybe not four million dollars but a a very large sum of money um i'm thinking as of right now i'm thinking jordan inserts in the 90s i'm thinking more modern basketball cards i'm not talking like 2018 modern i'm talking like 1996 1997 modern um there's going to be plenty uh there's going to be a really good amount of basketball cards especially from the goats then so probably michael jordan even kobe you can throw kobe in there um there's going to be cards from those years that are already very sought after, that are going to go for... I I can't imagine how much money they're going to go for 25 years from now. Like, if we're talking about just about a million dollars for a Michael Jordan Precious Metal Gem Green right now, which only uh, 10 of them... or Actually, 9 of them exist in the world. That's that's a story for another day. Um, but if that card's going for a million dollars right now, I I can only imagine when it's going to go for 25 to 50 years from now. So we... As collectors, we probably need to to give to, to be given a little bit more perspective in terms of maybe holding maybe there are certain cards out there that should be held for the long term um, if you're really going to be looking at this as a true investment.
0: That is a shocking value discrepancy between original purchase price and overall growth it's, uh, that is wild. Um, I don't have, I have, not shocking, I have nothing Babe Ruth. I've never even been around anything Babe Ruth. I mean, that's how rare it is, short of, nope, I haven't. Can't think of a time that I was ever around one. my dad was a major collector of sports memorabilia, has numerous players, but Ruth is ultra elusive to this day. I did see a guy pull a pack where he pulled a, I think it was a, God, it was a Babe Ruth auto that came out of it. It was a Topps diamond set. Have you seen this set? It's like $2,500. I think it's 12 cards that come out of it. Admittedly, I'm not up on the baseball cards at this point, but uh, to pull the fucking Ruth out of a pack, it was an autograph. Um,
1: Can't imagine how much money that card goes for now. Honestly, I, I don't know, yeah. but the
0: guy didn't freak out the way the uh, Luca logo man was pulled. That was much more <laughs> of a freak out. Shaky hand didn't want to touch the card. I think he might have even tapped out on putting the card in the case. If I remember, I can't remember if someone else came over and did it. I don't remember the story. Even. What did exactly, that happen?
1: I, yeah, that he was, he was very, very nervous. Um He, he was like, it sounded like he was about to start crying. Like it was like, it was that intense. Um, yeah, I, I can't remember if he put it in a one touch or I, I I honestly can't remember. But that was, needless to say, that was that was the biggest pull of his life. But can you imagine pulling a Babe Ruth auto out of anything, whatever? Like it doesn't have it doesn't even have to be a card. It could be whatever a a post it, like whatever.
0: I I watched the clip. It was on Instagram. It fucking blew my mind. Pretty rad to see that those are being inserted into these sets. Admittedly, you're not going to pull this out of retail. That's not happening. So you're going to have to get one of these very high-end sets. But Alex Rodriguez, now he's a guy that I was recently searching because he is yet to be inducted into the Hall of Fame, of course, for reasons associated with the steroid era. But without a doubt, one of the greatest baseball players to ever play and still a player that to this point, I'm still trying to chase down those rookies. I went back through our old sets I think A-Rod was a 1994 rookie. I don't think I have any. All of our years of collecting, for whatever reason, we just fucking took 1994 off, which just drives me nuts because I'm fl- I'm looking through them like 89, 90, 91, 92, 93. Jeter, which is great. 94, nothing to be found. 95, 96, bunch of dog shit flowing through those. So anyways, he is, is on to bigger and better things. Doesn't matter if he's getting into the Hall of Fame. Um, and he has a, a company called Slam Corp, and I'll have you can you can fill in the rest here. But they're a special purpose acquisition company, I believe, and they are in talks to merge with Panini. Is that true?
1: Yes. This is um, I mean this is all speculation. We don't have any insider knowledge here. I haven't talked to to Mr. Rodriguez, um, but not yet anyway. But um, yeah. So his, his company slam is like Nate, as you mentioned, it's, it's a, it's a Spock group. I don't know if that's how you pronounce it. Um, I'm not super like, you know, financial market term savvy, but um, like you said, it stands for uh special purpose acquisitions uh, company. So these, these companies, um, they essentially their goal is to make money by uh, getting the, um the, their whole purpose of making money is to acquire an existing company and get it public, to increase its value, and that's how they generate money. Um, what the the implications of this uh, could be big if if um, they actually follow through and acquire Panini for whatever valuing their own company at like three point something, three point two or three point eight a billion dollars something something like that something stupid um i i don't know how a lot of collectors are going to feel with panini going public just because once once a company especially um just any company not even a card company once a company goes public people and investors start paying more and more attention to quarterly earnings And making sure that growth is steady with time in in terms of how much money the company is making. Nate, what do you think is the number one thing? Let's say Panini goes public. What do you think is the number one thing that Panini is going to do in order to increase revenue?
0: What is the number one thing they're going to do to increase revenue? I mean, I mean they could raise prices? Is that is that going to be number 1? I have no idea.
1: Honestly, at this point that would be preferable if they raise prices. <laughs> okay. Honestly, they I I can't even rule it out they might or they'll produce a shit ton more cards, which I don't the demand is high enough where we might be able to sustain it for a little bit, but if we're talking '90s level production, junk wax era level production, that's a little scary, um, and that might not be the best thing that can happen in the hobby. Um, so that that part scares me a little bit with Panini going public. I'm, earlier this year, Tops already went public um, through through their own type of merger for like that that deal went through for like four billion dollars. Um, I don't think we're seeing we're quite seeing the full effects of it yet. Um, I'm sure we'll see it in in future sets. Uh, Then again, I don't I don't follow the baseball market too much, but um, there could be some some pretty big implications with with uh, Panini going public. I would rather Panini um, maybe upgrade their um, graphic design and development team in terms of kind of. Making almost like a '90s '90s level insert uh, addition to a lot of their sets. I mean, I'm not saying uh, Panini has some nice inserts now. Like you have Kaboom, you have Downtown, whatever. Um, but if we can if we can somehow incorporate like something closer to like a '90s level type of insert with just as much rarity, not you know, no overproduction or anything. Um, that would probably help panini so i i'd rather panini increase their quality as opposed to the quantity of their cards um that would that would be preferable um but only time will tell honestly this is all speculation that no no deal has gone through i know they're they're probably going to be there's going to be ongoing talks for a while um because these things don't happen overnight like even psa wasn't even acquired overnight uh, by Nat Turner and his group, so that that deal took a long, long time. Um, but it's just it's it's interesting to think about that Alex Rodriguez is um, trying to juice the value of the company. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, that's great. I mean, he's never going to get in the Hall of Fame because they just you let him in, and it's just a floodgate. He deserves to get in. Listen, I it was the best baseball that we've seen in 50 years you take a you you take a graph and you look at viewership and you look at excitement and you look at people as a kid i used to run and check the box scores in the morning when this this home run race and these all these guys were hitting the ball 691 feet i'm like how the fuck is that possible how how is a guy hitting the ball 300 feet beyond the fence out into the bay you know Barry Bonds is hitting the ball into Los Angeles from wherever he was hitting them. So, but the point is he's not necessarily getting in the hall of fame and that's, that's fine. But this acquisition would be huge. And that is concerning. If what you're saying is potentially possible that they would produce more, you would hope, and we don't see this often with history armed with history, you would hope that they wouldn't do what's been done before and recreate something that's problematic. Just to make more money because really like, yeah, it's fun ripping packs. It's fun collecting, but people do want to see increased value. People do want to see rarity. Those things matter. So hopefully they don't go the direction that you're going. Hopefully they do raise the price. Let me know if you hear from Alex Rodriguez. You probably more likely you'll hear from him than Joe Orlando. Jesse. Underdog. The NBA finals are still going, which means NBA pick is still live here we are. It's a, it's a reset. It's 2-2 two to two in the series. Giannis has looked great. Middleton's alive. Right now, if you had to make a call, series is split. Who's going who's gonna to finish this thing up?
1: Um, my gut is still telling me Phoenix. Just because of... It, 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 it just seems like the, the home court swings are so strong in this series... Um that could change. Honestly, if this comes I game seven is a total free-for-all for me. If this comes down to a game seven, um I have no idea. I'm still gonna go Phoenix, but I'm rooting for Milwaukee.
0: I'm also rooting for it's hard. I I see why, right? I want Milwaukee, they've been great for a couple years now. You want to see them win. It'd be nice to see a team in the East, you know, win. But yeah, Chris Paul, I mean, does anybody deserve to win one more than he does. It's not like he joined a super team. I,
1: I can totally see why probably a lot of America is who's watching the finals. Um, I, I can see why a lot of people are rooting for Chris Paul and the Suns. I I could totally, I I can, I can get behind it. Um, it's just, I don't know. I once it I'm rooting, I'm rooting for the bucks from a, a very selfish level. I'll, I'll have to admit, um, once, once LeBron is no longer in in the league, um, there's gonna have to be, you know, there's gonna have to be somebody who's gonna take his, you know, take his, go through the same like steps that he went through to be as great as he was. I'm not saying that there's gonna be another player as great as LeBron James, but we need another face of the NBA. I'm rooting for that face of the NBA to be Giannis. I, I hope his. I hope his shot only continues to improve with with time, which I think it will. Um, His free throw shooting has gotten like, believe it or not, it's gotten like way better than it was before. Um, In the playoffs, he's shooting like sixty some percent, but uh, but still still way better than it was early in his career. Um, And you know, just by that game saving and game changing block in game four, like. Him doing something like that two weeks after we thought he tore his ACL or just, or, or had insane structural damage to his knee. The fact that he's doing that two weeks after is just incredible. Like he, he has, he has superstar status within him. I mean, he's already, he's kind of already done it with, you know, back-to-back MVPs. Only, only a handful of, uh, of, uh, players in the history of the league have done that. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of rooting for the Bucks more for Giannis's legacy, and I want Giannis to be a, that next face of the NBA. Um, it, it might be somebody else, but I'm rooting for it to be Giannis.
0: Look, I've got good news for you, Jesse. Well, first piece of information, Giannis is obviously super popular. He was number two in jersey sales this year. Not really a surprise there. But did you hear this Jarrett Palmer tweet? Have you seen this tweet? That this guy put together on November 3rd, 2016. Are you familiar with this prediction tweet that is floating around the internet?
1: I believe I may have sent you this tweet. Um, you, you can quote it verbatim.
0: I, I will quote it verbatim. So in 2016, in 2016, Jarrett Palmer tweeted, and I quote, 2021 NBA Finals, Bucks versus Suns, Game 7. Bucks win 123 to 115. Now, somebody did a deep dive and looked into this guy's Twitter account. This is the only NBA Finals prediction tweet this guy has ever tweeted while other people are continuously tweeting annually or multiple times. This is the only tweet this guy has ever done about the NBA Finals. Now, there's two things at play. It's either the greatest guess... In the history of guessing, Jesse, or, or my longtime belief that there are people out there in society that are time travelers is finally true. It's been brought to life. This guy is a time traveler, Jesse.
1: Um, do you think the sports almanac in uh, Back, to the future, <laughs> Back to the Future, do you think that is a real thing? That That maybe someone on the set in the movie was like, uh, oh, yeah, let's create like a, like a sports almanac or something. And they're just like, they're secretly
0: from like 2075. Yeah, no, I, I think it's possible. I mean, so if you see Jarrett ripping through town in a fucking DeLorean, then you know that this guy is dumping trash into the back of it to fuel it. You know this guy is predicting this. But nonetheless, Jesse, you should be happy. This guy that has one tweet about basketball in his entire life predicted this Seven years ago or six years ago, which is an improbable prediction, by the way, like that you would have picked the Bucks and Suns in 2016 to be in the finals is fucking shocking. The Warriors were great at the time. Like, I I don't I don't know how this works, but it makes sense in the context of what we were talking about. So uh, just just let Jarrett predict it. The Bucks are going to win. But Underdog still has NBA pick them right now. Pick any 2-5 to five player props to parlay together, and you can win up to 20 times on your entry. They have over-under. Pick whether a player is going to go over or under a given stat line. There's also rivals. Pick which player between the two of them will have more of a given stat in their game. $25 bonus cash for new players that use the code UNDERWORLD. Jesse, and we've introduced a new segment to the show, which... If you have something you would like to submit for this segment after you hear it, the only way to do it is on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash i Outrage. Jesse messaged me like last week and he goes, I've got a great idea for a show, for a segment. It's called Would You Rather? And it really opens up Pandora's box of opportunity here because there's just a cavalcade of options, whether it's card versus card, player versus player, this versus that. Like there's so many things. And we had a bunch of great ones. Jesse, do you want to read the one that we received and and let the people know who it was from? The, the great card collector, who he is. Uh, the question was, would you
1: rather have a 2020 white sparkle mosaic or 2020 Genesis mosaic parallel? Um, this question was submitted by Josh McAtee. Um, Josh McAtee, uh, I, I talked to him. He's one of the, he's one of the dudes in the hobby that I talk to very regularly throughout the week. Um, he knocked it out of the park with this. He had, we were we were in between like five of his questions, um, because that's how many he submitted. They were all excellent, um, and we just wanted to to pick one for now, and we might save uh, future ones for for maybe maybe another show or two. Um, this was this was a very interesting question um, because the white sparkle it has the um the notoriety of being short printed or, or one could say super short printed uh depending on your depending on your uh your definition of sp or ssp versus the um versus like the the aesthetic of the genesis and i have to say both of these cards are are very nice um if you haven't if you haven't looked at a Mosaic Genesis, definitely check out eBay. They, I'm I'm sure they have they have plenty of them, and that's kind of the fact that they have plenty of them is kind of making me want to go White Sparkle, um, just because. Don't get me wrong; they're probably both short printed. Um, we don't know. We don't quite know the, the pop counts of of either one, um, but it, it's rumored that between various Panini sets, I'm talking Prism, uh, Select, Optic, whatever. Um, that white sparkles are short-printed to around 20, maybe 30, but, but pro- probably closer to 20. Um, and we see this—we uh, see this dis- uh, discrepancy in between in between some of the pop counts between uh, the white sparkle mosaic and even the Genesis mosaic. So just before the show, um, Nate and I looked at a couple of um, uh, pop count reports. Between PSA, BGS, and even SGC, uh, for Jalen Hurts, um, Jalen Hurts I thought was pretty relevant just because he is a rookie from two thousand and twenty. Two thousand and twenty was the first year that uh, mosaic was introduced in football, so I thought this was a pretty pretty decent test case just to look at um, the relative uh, pop counts between the Genesis and and the White Sparkle. So for the Genesis pop counts for uh, Jalen Hurts. Um, I'm talking. This is total graded cards. This is not just PSA 10. This is total graded by BGS or PSA. For the for Jalen Hurts Genesis, um, BGS actually hasn't graded too many. BGS hasn't graded too many either Genesis or or White Sparkle. Um, they only have three uh, uh, Genesis graded cards, whereas PSA has 41. Compare that to the White Sparkle, none are graded by BGS and only six are graded by PSA. So we're talking a total of 44 Genesis Jalen Hurts cards graded between BGS and PSA, whereas a total of six are graded by PSA and BGS. So that kind of goes to show um, the, the uh, disparency in, um, in pop counts between White, Sparkle, and Genesis. Genesis looks sweet. I don't have any Genesis cards, um, although I would like one. I've had a couple, my eye on a couple for a while. Um, But I don't think you can ever really go wrong with White Sparkle. So I personally would go White Sparkle. But do do you have a different opinion, Nate?
0: I think you nailed it because I think it comes down to aesthetics or it comes down to what we perceive the true pop count or the true circulating print run of these to be. And the white sparkle very clearly uh, is, is a lot less. And again, SGC, nobody took them there. Um, and there's very few, the ratio is like one to eight from what we're seeing, but you know, other people believe there's a lot of you know wax out there that hasn't been ripped yet. A lot of people believe that many people haven't subbed their cards yet because of, you know, closures with many of these grading companies hold out. So, we're probably going to see these numbers rise but if we're looking at the pop count already for the like the genesis you know or or you're looking at the white sparkle it's very obvious that one is a lot more rare than the other so for me as somebody that's constantly looking for value i would lean white sparkle um especially for a player like this i'm not I'm not the biggest long-term truther of Jalen Hurts. I think he's going to be a good player. Um, I hope he's successful for fantasy purposes because he offers an incredibly rare skill set. You, very clearly biased, would love Jalen Hurts to be the answer in Philadelphia. Um, I I like him. I think for me, it's the white sparkle. It sounds like it was for you as well. I think it's a really good question, and Josh had some awesome ones that I think we're probably going to bring up on the next episode but if you were piecing, I think you could take either one. If you were looking to future flip, I think you would probably lean white sparkle. But Jalen Hurts coming up is interesting because it brings us into another question that came up from another patron. And cross check me on this last name. Roland Brukowski. Do we get that?
1: Sounds pretty, yeah. It sounds sounds pretty good to me. Nice. Or
0: it's Brukowski.
1: Bruh. I
0: like Bruh that. like bruh. I, I'm not really sure, but his question is, would you rather have Tua or Jalen Hurts? Now, typically we're only going to take one, would you rather, but I, I read this is a little different because it kind of opens up another question. I think there's a lot of people out there that had confidence in Tua entering the league than your confidence after what we saw take place in Miami in 2020. Jalen Hurts comes in. Now, he's become the starter. Both of these players are the starters in their respective locations. A lot of similarities between the two. Which one of these two guys? Non-biased, okay? Take your Eagles garb off. Non-biased opinion. Which one of these two guys, long-term, if you were going to hold a card today, which one would you rather hold? Uh, uh,
1: it's so hard to separate to, to separate myself from, from my Eagles garb. Um, should probably get an eagles tattoo one day. Um. Whew, that's tough. Um I I would probably still go hurts um just because I I think just because I think his his dual threat ability is really something else. Like I I'm I'm thinking we could see whatever season Michael Vick came in and, and stepped in as the starter for Philly. And he had a, he had an excellent like two or three year stretch with the Eagles. Um, I think we can see something similar personally for Jalen hurts. And I, I think his, his prices can go absolutely haywire just because of that. Um, but I I got to give it to you a Tua, like his cards have, they've been beaten to shit like ever since the end of last season I mean I his more rare stuff still goes for a good amount but it's like it's nowhere near what you know uh, Joe Burrow's stuff has gone for we're not I'm not even talking Herbert just because Herbert is on like another planet right now but um there I mean there is opportunity right now even for even for two of cards even if you're looking in the short term just because he's still on the team they haven't they haven't traded for another car another quarterback they haven't traded Tua to houston like a lot of people thought that they were gonna um he's still like the bona fide starter for the team um which is a great sign like they they still have confidence in him to you know kind of uh, turn things around for year two um and i think he absolutely can so this is not this is not like an anti-tua pick i just i i'm more tantalized by Jalen Hurts upside um, in both fantasy and, and, uh, and, and real-life football with his dual threat ability.
0: I, I like Tua. I mean, both these guys, again, in fantasy football, I want them both to be good because I think it's great for both organizations. Very clearly, you want the most competitive football you can get. It never hurts to have these young, talented players coming into the league. But Tua is, number one, Jalen Hurts is a special mobile quarterback. Like a special type of mobile quarterback Tua was not known for being a mobile quarterback back in college, but what he offers as a pocket passer, his ability to run is still something that I think defenses are going to have to they're going to have to pay attention to, but you look at him over, you know, the last couple of weeks of 2020 and we saw that his pass attempts were pushing towards 40 a game, you know, pushing towards 250-plus pass yards, multiple 300-yard games in there. People saw him throw more interceptions than I think they were expecting and the way that Miami wavered a little bit. I think it was just a weird situation. So you have to be a fan of Tua. And his prices, like you said, are, are so palatable right now. If he was, if he was playing hot last year, and Miami was in contention, his cards would be astronomical. I mean, we've talked about this quarterback is king, so if you want to take a swing and and you want to take a shot on a player, Tua is probably the guy to do it with, because Hertz cards are, are not that cheap right now either. I mean, you just know, because it's that fantasy translation, I think, too, and playing in Philly, this big market, so interesting, for that with that being said I hope both guys are great but I'm once again leaning to A. He's cheap in all formats. Cards, Dynasty.
1: I I totally agree. In terms of who is probably the better value right now, I would I would say Tua just because I I can't I can't like I I personally have Jalen Hurts cards. Um so I like I have a, a somewhat of a vested interest in his market. Um but in terms of getting into Tua, I think now is now if you're looking to get into him, now is not the worst time to get into him after his prices have been beaten down this off season.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, this happens every year. Here's what's going to happen. We're going to hear about him. Oh, him and Will Fuller are clicking. Oh, him and Jalen Waddle have found their stride from back at Alabama. You know, all soon as this all starts to come together, His prices are going to rise. I mean, people are going to start to realize that there's year to year, there's a lot with these guys where they have a good year, then they have maybe a down year, and you see the prices rise and fall. His are just down for kind of, to me, silly reasons. He was a rookie quarterback in a totally dysfunctional situation last year, so his prices are artificially down, and as soon as we see – like it wouldn't shock me if Tua comes out like the first couple games next year and throws 3 touchdowns with no interceptions every game, he's throwing at a 67% completion percentage, he looks ultra competent, the coaches are raving about him and suddenly his cards poof, they blow up and he's right there with Burrow or these other guys. Like it wouldn't be crazy in the least and this team has done some of the right things to build around him and given him weapons, so don't sleep on Tua question from stan i'm going to, we, this is this is question for you i you answer this question would you rather stop piecing or would you rather stop flipping all
1: right so this i you i at first when i read this i was um it, it was a very tough question just because i've obviously done a lot of both but flipping i'm i'm gonna i can't really turn it too objective but you for in order to flip a card you have to have it for not that long like you have to have it for a pretty short amount of time with that that amount of time is subjective uh some people consider three months some people consider it six months or even a year as a flip so if if we're talking a you know pretty short amount of time um i would easily want to stop flipping just i'm i'm so in this man i'm like i i can never see myself leaving this hobby again like that's like no bullshit like i am i'm probably never gonna leave um i if i have kids down the road we gotta buy a you know a really big house whatever um there's gonna be i'm gonna have to sell off some stuff but there is just there are cards that i will keep close to my close to my chest um for maybe the rest of my life maybe i'll pass them on to kids Um, or grandkids but there is you could ask me this in the same way you can ask me would I rather stop PCing or stop investing now that's a tougher question I would still rather stop investing and just PC
0: that's an interesting point because flipping is very clearly a term for a short time transaction whether it's a couple of days weeks or a few months obviously it's not six years that's not flipping anymore that's more of a a, a long, I mean, it's certainly a long-term hold. Um, But when you PC a card, you are hoping in a lot of regards, especially if you're spending more than $5 on a card, if you're spending $6,000 on a card, you were certainly hoping and with research, assuming that that card will exponentially increase in value to which at one point you're either staring at expensive artwork or like your point, investing, you are now flipping it to recoup or get a return on investment for what you purchased it for from an educated standpoint in the past. And I'm sure one day, Jesse, you'll be able to build a mansion with what it is that you are acquiring today because you're the smart buyer. You're the guy that everybody needs to be following. Follow him on Instagram because he's leading you, okay? he's le- You know those, those images of just one set of footprints in the sand, Right, That's Jesse. You can get on his shoulders and he'll walk with you. He'll walk you right to where you need to be. Jesse, what's your Instagram for the people? At Flippity Flip Cards. At Flippity Flip Cards. There are a few guys in the podcast world that are more immersed in the hobby. There's a lot of fantasy analysts that'll tell you to make a trade, and they've never traded that player in their life, and they wouldn't trade that player. It's show content. Jesse? Jesse eats at his own restaurant, as we've heard Matt Kelly say before. I can tell you for a fact, and you can go to Instagram. There's no doubt about it. This guy is eating at his own restaurant. So follow Jesse over there. Follow him on Twitter, at planet underscore fatness. Let's help get this guy's follower count up. Last question. Now, there seems to be some debate amongst my own brain about how to say this gentleman's last name. Jesse, if you had to take a swing on John's last name, how would you pronounce it? Now, are you going to go fo or fa? Fo. So you're going to go
1: Fogarty? Fogarty.
0: Fogarty. Yeah. Okay. That's where I would have gone. All right. Go. <laughs> okay. Maybe it wasn't as much of a debate as I thought it was. Somehow this is all Joe Orlando's fault. Okay. <laughs> now, I think we've touched on this question once before, but we haven't spoken on it from sort of a... We've now seen... What's transpired, and we're getting a little more clarity on this player's situation. So I'll read the question. He says, Hey, guys. Imagine that's how he typed it. I wanted to ask you if you think AB, Antonio Brown's cards are undervalued now more than most of his. Now that, okay, now that most of his legal troubles are over and he is a Super Bowl champion, will we care in five years about his insanity if he stays straight for the rest of his career? So, Jesse, if Antonio Brown turns in a spectacular season last year. And we've seen him in sort of these you know odd limited runs with Tom Brady in a capacity where he's got a ton of competition or a short run in New England where we're like, holy shit, this is crazy to see happening right now. If he holds it together and doesn't do anything crazy, are his cards going to return to value? And could he be a guy that you're going to want to hold?
1: Um, very likely, yes so the unfortunate part is um he came from 2010 and he was a late round pick so he doesn't have he doesn't have a, a tops chrome rookie or anything just because he was he was like a sixth round pick or something um so tops only produced like a certain amount of uh like rookie cards for a certain amount of players um at least in like the base and the chrome set so you'll have to you'll have to. Uh, venture over to to other sets you could probably go um i i was able to like flip a scorecard of his believe it or not and that's like that's not a very sought after set at all um but you'll have to you'll have to you know kind of dig deep into which sets you'd be willing to to invest in um in terms of if he if he you know Stays, you know, level-headed and and doesn't do anything else controversial for the rest of his career, even post-career guys. Like, do you like? I mean, do you think there is an outside shot that we see like a Delante West level trajectory of like his life outside, like f once football is over, or maybe that causes his football career to be done? Like, that's a little scary. Um, like even if he kind of like stays cool, um throughout throughout the rest of his career. I mean we've seen it, it really depends, you know, like you can even say the same about um I'm like one guy that comes to mind is like Lawrence Taylor. Um I obviously, you know, he he played high. He, he you know he he, you know, used Coke like before like going into the game or, or at halftime. Um and he's I mean he's gotten into some legal troubles himself, like some pretty serious stuff, uh, you know, once his once his career was over, um, that was definitely. I I don't even know if he faced jail time or not. Um, it was it was some pretty serious stuff, but um, he still has like somewhat of a collector base now. People were still going after his even his rookie cards in the in whatever is 1980. I can't re- I can't even remember the set. 84, 87, I can't remember, but that card took like a huge um, increase in price uh in 2020 so that and probably a decent amount of people uh, that bought in are are actually collectors they're either giant collectors or defensive player collectors um so Lawrence taylor is obviously going to be one of the best to to have ever done it um and he and we saw some legal him getting into legal troubles once his career was over Um, and we still saw an increase in his prices so it's it's still possible but um I mean honestly for Ab's sake I hope everything's okay like I want him to be I, I want like everything in his life to go well and um I like I want him to keep on his to keep his head on straight but um I mean regardless his prices are still probably too cheap right now where you can make money and we're we're talking like for sure if he if he stays clean we're we're for sure talking about a Hall of Fame um induction. Uh, in the future. So, um, I guess this is a a long circuitous answer of saying, yes, he probably is still too cheap for how much he should cost. Um, just gotta, just gotta make sure that once is not even when his career is still going on, once his playing days are over that he's still, he's still, you know, okay.
0: So Antonio Brown is what? 32 going to be 33. And he's one of these guys that for some reason, We've kind of written off like he's in you know the sunset of his career like this is going to be the end of his career. It wouldn't shock me to see Antonio Brown play for 3 or 4 more years. Like I think it's entirely possible. If there's anybody that can sort of stay on that that Jerry Rice sort of trajectory has the skill set, like this would be that guy. I mean, transcendent talent. One of the best receivers I've seen in my lifetime at his particular size and at his peak in Pittsburgh was legitimately unguardable to the likes of which almost doesn't exist in the league right now. There are a lot of good players in the league, but peak Antonio Brown would fuck you up game after game, after game, after there was nothing you could do about it. There was legitimately no way to stop this guy. Even in the red zone, when the field is condensed, Antonio Brown would find all these ways to make himself open, just a total craftsman. So I think his, his career could continue to trend. He just came off a season where he had his second highest catch rate of his entire career. Now he's playing with Tom Brady, was once playing with Ben Roethlisberger. We don't know when Brady's going to go away. Who knows if you know, Brady lured him to play with New England. Maybe him and Tom Brady like, are going to love playing together so much that Brady plays for another two years or three years if his team's competitive. Like It's hard to say. Both of these guys are at the point in their career where they should essentially be retiring. Like, they, Brady's very clearly past that. He's the avocado that's way too ripe. Like, way too ripe. Antonio Brown is getting ripe. There's guys that have done this, but Tom Brady is the pioneer where Antonio Brown, we can at least find some players that were as exceptional as him or more that continued to play. So for fantasy, I still love him, and he's ultra cheap. And like you said, for cards, still probably way too cheap because, you know, assuming that he doesn't get you know, held out of the Hall of Fame for any of the things that happened. Which football, there's a lot more leniency. A far more violent sport. Very different than baseball. Very different than basketball. Right? Like it's there's some leniency here. Okay, we, there's some leniency, and I feel like we do at times separate off the field from on the field a little more, especially with baseball. PEDs and shit like change the whole game. Because in baseball, another thing is it's so historically based on statistics, like the numbers matter so much historically that affecting how those numbers were created matters a lot more than, Oh, this guy was taking performance enhancing drugs and he ran for 2000 yards. And it's like, yeah, okay, big deal. But like if you broke the home run record, like Barry Bonds did this record that stood for years and years and years, it's, it's more of an issue amongst that league. So I love Antonio Brown in all formats and if he continues to play for another three to four years, Jesse, should we be surprised? I mean, do you think that this is the guy? If anybody's going to do it, that plays till thirty six, thirty seven.
1: I mean, he's he could retire after this season. I think he's already a Hall of Famer. Um, like statistically, he is. I, I, you know, like just a B in his prime. Like I, one of, one of the players that I, I really like to collect is Deandre Hopkins. I think a B in his absolute prime in Pittsburgh was Deandre Hopkins on steroids. Like he was, he was really like, he was really that special of a player. I think I like that. That could be a hot take, but just in terms of their playing style and in terms of just how, how dominant he was. Um, like it was just, it was just unbelievable. Like, i remember i think there was uh it it was week one in in one of the it it was a season opening game i think in like 2017 or something i I can't remember and the patriots were playing the the Steelers, and malcolm butler had to like and this was malcolm butler's first year starting he had to somehow figure out a way how to guard a b and like r.i.p malcolm butler like there's just there it was so so hard to guard to, to guard a b um but yeah in terms of in terms of his style of play like he's not you know he's not one of these guys that's like you know uh, guys that i i can see like fall off a map have um like i'm sure you and matt have talked about on previous shows on, on sonic truth or um or you know whenever whenever you guys have talked about these types of players like a demarius thomas um that type of player will fall off a cliff um that that'll probably include you know when when his time comes alan robinson is probably going to be in there like a a player like that is probably going to be somebody who who falls off a cliff where like their numbers just take a complete nosedive after like a pretty relatively you know competent season um but ab just doesn't have he's not that he doesn't have that type of frame um he's a little bit uh he's a little bit quicker um maybe not in terms of speed but just how he moves Um, so I can certainly see a B, um, you know, if he, you know, continues to, to, to stay sharp playing for another, you know, three plus years.
0: Yeah. It's, it's not crazy. this is a guy that's been ultra stable in terms of injuries. And just looking at the ADPs, I'm going to throw this out. I know it's a card show, but I got to bring it up. He's going about five picks before Marvin Jones. What the What is going on here? He's going five picks before Marvin Jones, going after Jamal Williams, going after Gabriel Davis. I mean, don't get me wrong. I think Gabriel Davis has some upside. But Antonio Brown, if we if we look back 10 years from now and Antonio Brown played for six more years from the point of this podcast, Jesse, I will not be surprised. (music) Thank <music> you.